Hello from lovely Philadelphia, which is not as sunny as I would like it. I'm here at the Academy for Private Practice by Above the Law. I'm Joe Patrice. I'm Ellie Mastal. I'm Jules Miller. I'm Pavla Kopechna. I'm Lawrence Coletti. And we're on the road with the Legal Talk Network. Hey, welcome back. We're here at the Academy for Private Practice, as I said. This is Above the Law's annual event, bringing together people who are, well, from a bunch of different angles. But today, we're more talking to, we had some events where we were talking to people who are more innovators in the legal tech kind of sphere. And we had a panel just now that was about learning how to deal with the media. And so, my usual co-host from Thinking Like a Lawyer, Ellie Mistal, you were on this panel. So give us a run. What, how, what, how's your day? I'm thinking about what I said because I believe that I threatened to destroy people like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, which upon reflection, I'm not sure was the right best foot forward to put for above the law. I mean, apparently it's like a like a Tyrannosaurus Rex because you literally made me hold the microphone in front of you rather than use those tiny arms to hold it yourself. Come on, man. Jules, could you say something? Because I really hate this man that I have to work with every day. Talk about how awesome our panel was so I don't have to listen to his voice anymore. We had a really fantastic panel about media training, specifically for legal tech entrepreneurs. And there were some awesome lessons learned. And a couple of them um, were, one, um, make sure you do your homework. I think that was the thing I took away from it the most, which was in order to reach out to journalists, do your homework, be prepared, and be smart about it. Yeah, I mean, the following up on that, like one thing that did come up across a lot of the folks was that knowing the people you're pitching is really the key. Like that's the homework you need because pitching legal technology news is a very different thing than above the law. Pavel, you were talking about how you've done it from both sides, receiving the pitches and being the PR person. Like I thought your contribution there was really interesting. So I think PRs often can get a bad reputation amongst journalists. And I do understand it because I did used to be a journalist and have gone through the whole thing of getting hundreds of press releases every day, getting harassed by PRs who feel under pressure to get coverage, asking me, did you get my email? Are you going to reply to my email? Are you going to write a story about me? Should you write, you should really write a story about me. And it's, you know, it's tough. It can get um, really difficult to respond to after a while. And I've, I did block some people. So when I became a PR, I was very cognizant of that and tried to be more considerate. I like that story, though. You like you actually had to block people, block PR people when you were a journalist because they were just too damn annoying. That's right. It's a very small minority. And I don't know if you've ever done the same thing. Have you ever blocked anyone? No, I just get drunk and yell at them on Twitter. <laughs> Isn't that the appropriate? <laughs> is that frowned upon in this establishment? No, no, no. I, I, I think that's great. Because that's another lesson that I think a lot of people had in this was that when you do uh, PR things, it should be very short and to the point, which is why Ellie only uses a 140 character format to yell at people that he doesn't like. One of the other messages actually that Lawrence kept bringing up, but I'll frame it in a different way, is that it actually is almost like sales. You have to do your homework. You have to reach out in a smart way. And I love that you actually pick up the phone and you suggested pick up the phone because people don't do that anymore. I like to talk to people, but I have a confession to make. I was a little nervous on our panel today. So it started with me with my bad selection of t-shirt. And so I was really warm up there and I was becoming very self-conscious of the fact that I was warm up there and I was feeling sweaty. And I was like, do other people think I'm sweaty? It just compounded into this cycle. 
And the more I thought about it, the warmer I would get until a certain point. So I have to admit, I was a little nervous when we got started, but. I couldn't tell it all. And I'll give you my trick for that, which I mentioned is that power poses. So even if you're on the panel, just do your power pose and you get unnervous. During the panel? Why not? I mean, who cares? I mean, yeah. Regular thinking like a lawyer listeners will be surprised and learn that I kept my shirt on during the entire panel. And proud we were of all of that, you know, thanks. <laughs> What do you say we, we talk about a few of the things that we discuss? I think it's good information. You know, I like to get good pitches because we're always looking to create great content on the network. And so, and I really liked that. really appreciate the different angles. And I liked what Monica said. Everybody kind of brought a little different perspective to it. And yeah, I, Monica Bay was also on this panel, but she couldn't ma- be with us for this podcast. But she was there. So she's going to be the character that we occasionally talk about and say, Monica did this great thing and she won't be here to defend herself. But yeah, no, go on. I just wanted to clarify that for anyone listening. Well, I was going to hand it back to Jules because she did such a great job moderating. Thank you. And actually, one of the fun things was keeping uh, keeping some of the fun comments that everyone was making relevant. And Monica made some really fun comments. So let's talk about that for a second. So <laughs> Monica doesn't like certain words, and I think some journalists don't. So solution was one of them. And that was a good takeaway. When you're pitching a, a journalist, make sure it's specific. And something like solution might not work for someone like Monica. I think one of the big takeaways from that section was that people who are pitching really have to learn a little bit about the publication before they make the pitch. I mean, that's basically where I start to threaten to eat people. But yeah, I think it's. An, I think we all kind of had our different ways of saying this, but that it was kind of really crucially important for you to really read the publication and have an idea of what kind of news that publication wants to put out there in the world and tailor your pitch accordingly. And in the end, there's no right or wrong way to pitch. What's really important is that you pitch in the right way for the person you're pitching to. So everyone on the panel and all the different you know, hundreds and thousands of journalists that you come across, they'll each have a different approach and different preference. So some people like to be pitched on Twitter. Some people like a really long press release. Some people like to talk on the phone. Others hate it. They say, never, ever call me. Just email me. I prefer that. And you have to get to know that. And I want to give a shout out to Pavla because you mentioned that Hillary Clinton was very good at answering the questions that she wants to answer or bringing it back being relevant. I thought you did a very good job of doing the same thing on the panel where the question was asked and people were answering their own questions, but you always answered the question and and got your point across. So thank you for that. And also, how do you do that? How Um, do you Clinton everyone? So both Hillary and I have one thing in common, which is that we're both very boring. (laughs) If you want to stay on message, you got to be boring. And there's actually one question that we were going to cover on the panel, but we didn't manage to, which was about is all publicity, good publicity or not? And one quote about that that always um, comes to mind for me is from Warren Buffett. He said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to destroy it. Which goes back to Ali's initial point about threatening to destroy anyone who (laughs) crosses his path. But it's true. If you take the very long road, you may run the risk of being boring. But that is the best way to build your reputation. Right. And it goes back to, I, I think, again, it goes back to knowing the publication that you're pitching to. So when I'm destroying people, I'm not doing it for just for giggles, right? It's not, okay, some giggles. But mainly it's because, you know, <laughs> I've got a voice. I've got a kind of editorial um, voice here. And so when you pitch me, for instance, on a product that's going to throttle associate development or, or make it more difficult for kids to get jobs... I'm not going to like that product. And you should know that before you try to get me to write about it. Yeah. And one, one thing to bring Monica, uh, evoke the spirit of Monica again. One <laughs> other thing that I thought she said that was interesting was don't, if you're doing the PR thing and you're trying to reach out to these journalists, don't 
treat them like they're just kind of cogs that you're hitting. Like, try to build a relationship with them if you can, because that will always behoove you in the long run. That's one thing I took from it. We didn't really get to this on the panel, but I wanted to to bring it up again, just because you mentioned pitching on Twitter. Like, what kinds of other social media kind of outlets do you, have you seen pitches on? Do you think are particularly effective or not? I've never gotten a pitch on Vine, um, which is useful. <laughs> and you won't now, <laughs> apparently. But like, what other kind of outlets do you use? So I think every social media channel has the potential of being pitchable, as it were. I think Twitter is the most usual one. Probably the second one after that is LinkedIn, which is, you know, not a very sexy social medium, but um, a lot of journalists do use it to reach out to people when they're trying to get to sources. So when they're the ones doing the selling. So I would always advise my clients to be pretty active on Twitter, LinkedIn, and then something else that they like, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. I have heard of pitches on Instagram um, that's more to do with fashion and culture brands rather than legal tech. That might change. Who knows? I haven't come across any on Vine or um, Periscope, but things are changing all the time. Chat roulette. No. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Never. never. Challenge. Challenge. I like, I like Twitter a lot. I feel like, and, as, and especially as a person who sometimes wants to publicize some of these things, but I'm not going to devote 800 words to writing an article about it. If you send me something on Twitter, it becomes a very easy process for me to just retweet it out to all of Above the Law's followers, which might then get picked up by all of Am Law's followers. Like, it's an easy thing to do. And I don't have to invest, like, precious time, energy, and, and you know, drinking time into thinking about what you're pitching. I think it's a good segue. You know, I think that's one of the things that uh, people, when they're reaching out, they don't understand what maybe the media is going through on their side of the equation. And so, this is something I always worry about because you know we're we're a good guy organization. We're a bunch of friendly people that work there, but I often worry how we're perceived when we can't respond right away. And I don't want people to think that we're jerks and that we're full of ourselves. I mean, the truth behind it is that there's a lot going on. And you've got deadlines and there's urgent deadlines. And every day that creeps along, there's another one. And so just because somebody doesn't get back to you doesn't mean that they hate your idea. It just means they can't do it right now. And so my advice on that is to don't give up, you know, and uh, keep trying. And I think that that's kind of the moral of the story. And uh, another thing, and this is something, uh, philosophy we built at Legal Talk Now. We're not a very big network, but we're growing. And our spirit is one big guest begets another big guest. And so I like to flip that around a little bit and say, you know, to entrepreneurs, anybody that wants to have a relationship with the media, one appearance begets another appearance. And share that when you're reaching out, share that with the person you're trying to contact, because that right there is credibility to the journalists. They see you in action. And uh, go ahead, go ahead, Jules. I was actually going to bring up Monica again. The ghost of Monica is, is strong here. Um, but one of the points she made is actually you should write about the article or the topics that you like and people will reach out to you. And I think that's another thing. If you, if you get covered on a certain topic, if you're very specific and very focused about the topics that you want to be in the media about, people will start coming to you and asking you for those um, those quotes, asking you to be part of the article, asking you to speak at events. And I think it's just about that consistency and about sharing that with the journalists on a regular basis. So uh, there were some humorous anecdotes throughout the thing, but I think my favorite one, and Lawrence hasn't talked as much through this podcast, so this is a way to bring him in. What was the worst pitch you ever got? Oh, yeah, I got this. Uh, this is terrible. Uh, <laughs> so I think Ellie had Ellie had the funny one, but I had this one. I just dismissed it right away. I, uh, it was, I, I think it was even late at night. It came in and I, res- I didn't respond to it. This was just, it was so bad. I, I didn't respond to it. 
via email and it was some really weird handle on a Hotmail account. It was like kitty something, kitty cat or whatever. And it was, hey, I want to be on the network. Didn't say what they wanted to talk about. Didn't leave me a lot of information. Appeared that they were drunk when they were writing it because it didn't connect, wasn't a complete sentence. And so that that was my example of a really horrible pitch that I received. It was probably just a good fan. They really liked you. They wanted to get to know you. Maybe it wasn't a pitch. You should have responded. That, it was a pitch. <laughs> Again, chat roulette as an opportunity to... <laughs> you weren't on the panel, Joe. What's the worst pitch you've gotten? Yeah. Actually, that's weird. I didn't think about that. I actually don't know as though I've gotten any particularly bad ones. I've gotten... Um, I've gotten ones that I just ignore out of hand, like just I've seen the same one over and over from the same person, and I know it's not any different. But it's not like they're bad. Like they were good the first time, and I kind of like cataloged it, and then the 15th time I was like, yep, got it. I know you have a product. Thanks. Can we get into something we didn't get into a lot during our panels that allowed? Can we do that? Yeah, I don't see why not. Okay. You can do whatever you want. Okay, okay. Well, you know, one of the things that I don't think that we got into was kind of how to set things up in advance of your pitch. And so these are the things that I look at when I'm getting, uh, somebody wants to be on the show or they want to get someone they know on the show, you know, that I try to get to a little bit the priming the social media pump and, you know, that being involved. And I think that that, you know, like LinkedIn is currency for networking, you know, social media channels are currency for appearances in terms of media. And so I do look at that right away because I want to bring someone on the network that people recognize. I think people get value out of that, trusted thought leaders, and I think that's the information that we want to convey. And so I will look at your following. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a huge following. I sometimes look at the quality of the posts. So if you tweet, you know, how many followers do you have or what do you tweet about? LinkedIn, I actually look at shared contacts and you obviously can share articles on LinkedIn, but blogging is a huge one that uh, I turn to. I know we're audio and that sounds a little weird, but I look at the thought leader and I want to look at the quality of their work. And so I think that's something that people like priming the pump. The hardest part is getting that pump started, you know, write those quality articles, be that quotable source in whatever expertise you want to get on the air about. I would say Twitter is really where it's at for me. Like if you've retweeted me before, or if you're, uh, if you're kind of important in, in your space on Twitter, because a lot of times, you know, depending on the issue, I'm not depending on the issue. On most issues, I am nothing close to an expert. Um, but if you've got a really strong Twitter following, you have a really strong Twitter handling, and I can like pick stuff from you and throw it into my article or throw it into my feed and make myself look more intelligent, which is all I'm really after, and we have that kind of you know virtual relationship weeks or months before you're actually pitching me on a particular product or a particular story idea, that helps a lot. That absolutely means I'm going to read your email you know, when I know you from your Twitter handle. I think what we're all talking about, um, and we haven't sort of said this directly on the panel, is that journalists, PRs, and companies are all part of the same ecosystem. So it can seem like sometimes we're on opposite sides of the battlefield, but um, really we all need each other. And um, I really liked what Ellie said earlier about just asking for a tweet, um, because it also shows that um, you know, PR's work isn't just about getting a story, it's about making sure the product is ready, making sure that the Ford leader or the spokesperson is really contributing to the ecosystem and that once a story is out, it's not just a right, tick, it's done. You also want to make sure that people who are going to be interested in that story know about it. So making sure the publication tweets about it, making sure people 
who want to, you know, hear about this are emailed about it and the rest of it. And one thing I quite like to ask you guys is, we talked about the different pressures that PRs are under and different pressures that journalists are under. So for journalists, it's often deadlines and not having enough time to look at things. For PRs, it's often got to get stuff done, got to get stuff out there. How, um, you said you were worried about how people respond if you don't get back to them. I want to know, do you often get annoyed at PRs if they just kind of repeat and... I'm speaking from just myself. I really don't. Um, I'm cycling through 50, 100 emails an hour. No, I don't mind if I hear the same email once or twice or five or six times. I don't always respond to my boss's emails on the first try, <laughs> right? Like, I, I have things going on. So like, I actually appreciate when my actual work colleagues email me multiple times about an issue if it's really that important to them. So certainly if your pitch is that important to you, I don't actually, I would never get annoyed if I got the same thing a few times over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah, and the, having to email you multiple times isn't annoying at all for the rest of us. Um, <laughs> it, but no, it, I, I said earlier that the, the bad pitch was like the same thing I got 15 times, but it's, I agree. I don't get angry about that. I, I, I understand that they've got a job to do. I don't, I've not had the opportunity to block anybody so far. Everyone's been nice and pleasant and I keep getting them and I'm like, oh, that person, I don't need to know that, but I don't mind that they're hitting me up. And I think it comes back to the, the kind of the concept that, that Lawrence raised, which is it's really kind of like sales. So if someone doesn't respond the first time on a sales, a cold sales email, you follow up and check again and you might do it a couple of times. You have to do it politely and build a relationship, but it's totally reasonable. And the other point that kind of kept coming up is, again, this is hard work. You have to do your homework. You have to actually put effort into this. So for entrepreneurs out there, and, and I, I'm an entrepreneur myself, it seems like it can be a distraction from your work, but if you're going to do it, you need to put the work in and you have to actually spend time doing it well, or it's not worth doing it at all. And like Pavla said, just stick to building your product if you're not going to take the time to do your homework for media outreach. Yeah, I don't think it irritates me at all. I, we get regular emails and it's obviously part of an email campaign that comes out regularly. One thing I would add to it though, is if you're going to send the email, be available on short notice. I think that's a big one for me. So if you're going to fire that thing out and you guys are part of a big, huge case, I get this one from a human animal rights program. They're trying to get uh, sentient rights for smarter mammals like orcas and chimpanzees. And so I get that a lot. We had them on the show years ago and uh, I don't mind getting that. I see that. And when something breaks and I see it, and I'll flip to it, I'll go to it. But that's my thing. That might be one of my pet peeves and not really pet peeve, but you know, be available. What's that? Work peeves? Orca peeves. Orca peeves, right? Right. So yeah, yeah be available. If you're going to send out the email, be able to follow up on that. Have an avenue to get to that thought leader really quickly. And then here's one, and this is a question for entrepreneurs. You know, it, it seems like they're reaching out to you. I think there's a way that you can do it in a different way. So instead of reaching out, maybe there's a way you can pull in. When I'm looking for a source, I don't know if you guys come across this, but it is really hard to find a media contact at companies sometimes, depending on the size of company or startup. I think everybody that's interested in playing in those waters ought to have a part of their page, you know, media relations. And you go right there, you get a hold of somebody, you get a call back on short notice or an email back on short notice to set something up. I think that's a trick of the trade that I don't see often enough. It's a trick of the trade, but as an entrepreneur, if you reach out to me and want to cover me in the press, I'll respond to you. So especially if it's a known publication. So I say just reach out to the 
founder directly. Yeah, but I do think it's important, as Lawrence is saying, to have something online available and easy to know where I'm supposed to contact. You'd be surprised. I don't think this is a problem at Penn where we are today, but like there are law schools that don't have this right, right? There are law schools where if I want to reach the media relations person, I don't know who to talk to. And so I have to send an email directly to the dean, even though I don't have any thought that this is something that should rise to his or her level. So I do think it's super important for, especially for a small company to have that, you know, contact us here page updated and working and useful. And it's not just contact details, right? Often startups are not so great at having images ready that may be less relevant to radio or, or even to TV. But um, so many times journalists really are desperate for good quality images. So it's really helpful to have that on your site and available. Well, great. This has been wide-ranging. It was a great panel, a good way to start off our event of the year. Uh, we're going to be continuing, and there will be more episodes of this uh, on the road with the Legal Talk Network covering the Academy for Private Practice over the next day or so. Uh, if you are listening to this, be sure to subscribe to it so you can listen to future episodes. You can also download the Legal Talk Network app, which has all the shows on it, so you can listen to everything, give it reviews and so on, so that... Uh, people will download more of these. And with that, I think we're done. And we'll talk to you in the future episode of On the Road with the Legal Talk Network. Thank you, Joe. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. <laughs>